the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bible, the book that has changed the world by changing lives around the world. Men and women, young and old. The Bible has changed my life. The love, stability, and hope that I need, they're all found in the Bible. The Bible gives me hope that a new day is coming. The Bible is helping me see what really matters. The Bible Live is a -a one-of-a-kind, first-time-in-history radio program. Offering you the chance to hear a 15 to 20 minute Bible reading each weeknight. The entire Bible, every year. Hear the scriptures, then call in with your comments and questions. This is the best show in the world. Well, actually, I was speaking against everything you were talking about before, and uh, now I, I stand humbly corrected. I'm a pastor, and our people really need to know the word more. The Bible also transformed the life of your Bible Live host. A full-blooded Apache Indian, born out of wedlock and abandoned at birth. Soapy Dollar was found in a big city alley by a kind-hearted fortune teller, then passed around to 16 families before he was six years old. Placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys, Soapy Dollar heard the Bible's life-changing message at the age of eight, and the course of his life was changed. He's an American Indian guitar play it all around rodeo cowboy. I keep my thumb between the pages and my heart in the book. With more degrees than a thermometer and over 40 years of introducing folks just like you to the God of the Bible. Here is Soapy Dollar. Not quite as many degrees as a thermometer. How many degrees does the thermometer have anyway? I don't know. I should have done my research, my due diligence. 106? Well, there's not that many degrees. So we'll make that correction of fact here on the Bible Live program. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining with us tonight. Now, we're going to pick up in the book of Daniel. Actually, we'll be finishing up the book of Daniel tonight. We've spent the last two or three weeks in the books of Ezekiel and Daniel. This amazing person named Daniel, kidnapped, taken from his homeland, taken from Judah as a young person, as a teenager probably, taken into Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar, where he proceeded to excel Evidently, this was a whiz kid, quite good at what he did in terms of his education, his linguistic capabilities, his administrative skills. He served under four major emperors, world-ruling empires, under Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, under Belshazzar of Babylon, then under Darius of the Medo-Persian Empire, and under Cyrus the Great of the Medo-Persian Empire. There were other less well-known emperors that served in between these. And we reminded you last time in our reading that he was over 80 years of age when he was put in the lion's den. 
an amazing individual, an amazing man of God. Well, before we get to Daniel, let's go to our Wisdom and Worship segment, another one of the Songs of Ascent or the Pilgrim Songs, Psalm 128 tonight. God is the true head of the home. Psalm 128. How happy are those who fear the Lord, all who follow His ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How happy you will be. How rich your life. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine, flourishing within your home. And look at all those children. There they sit around your table as vigorous and healthy as young olive trees. That is the Lord's reward for those who fear Him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. And may Israel have quietness and peace. End of reading Psalm 128 Even in the little things That never seemed too big to me And the things I thought didn't matter much At all uh, This Psalm 128 is called the marriage prayer Because it was often sung at Israelite marriages And it includes this promise that God will reward Our devotion to Him with inner peace And with peace in our homes Everything I am is not all about me. Take my word. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. That's a prayer that we could all lift up to the Lord. I remember reading a book many, many years ago, written by a monk centuries ago. The title is Practicing the Presence of God. We tend to think about God only when we're in church or when we have a religious moment, a spiritual moment. The theme is to bring God into every moment of our lives. Don't forget who we are. Don't forget whose we are on a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday begin every day in a quiet time with God to get your mindset that you belong to God, that you are a child of God, that you are indwelt by God's Spirit, and walk out of the house with that expectation that every person you come across, everything that happens to you, is coming to you from God's hand. You see it that way, and it fills your day with adventure, with expectancy, seeing what God is doing in your own life, through your life, as you respond to life situations. God is in every moment. God is not only sovereign over nations and empires, as we are seeing in the book of Daniel very clearly, but God is also sovereign in the life of each of us as his children. And it's our right, our privilege by faith to walk under his sovereign control. Doesn't mean everything's going to go your way. No suffering, no difficulties, no trials, no sickness. It doesn't mean that at all. It means that he is with you through those trials, those tribulations, those situations. And he is able to bring out joy, bring out victory and new life in the midst of those. As the others see you walking through the trials and difficulties of life with courage, with integrity, with generosity, with concern for others, as they see these supernatural responses from your life, they then will be drawn to our God, the God who enables us, who gives us the security and the strength 
to express the fruit of the Spirit, it's called, in the book of Galatians. Well, that's what we see in the book of Daniel. That's one of the things that makes this man so remarkable. Actually, he's not a prophet. He's not a priest himself. He was a public servant, an administrator in the palace. He was from the tribe of Judah, as were Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, his three young friends. But he was a man of God, a truly spiritual layperson who walked with God, who had a tremendous heart for prayer and honored God in his personal life. Tonight, he prays for his nation, and God sends a messenger to tell him things about future empires and the future of the world, even up to the time in which we live today. Let's listen together to the book of Daniel on the Bible line. Daniel 10, 1 through twelve thirteen. Daniel 10. In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, had another vision. It concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship, and Daniel understood what the vision meant. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three weeks. All that time I had eaten no rich food or meat, had drunk no wine, and had used no fragrant oils. On April 23, as I was standing beside the great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a dazzling gem. From his face came flashes like lightning, and his eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze, and his voice was like the roaring of a vast multitude of people. I, Daniel, am the only one who saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to watch this amazing vision. My strength left me, my face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. When I heard him speak, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling, to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, O Daniel, greatly loved of God! Listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling with fear. Then he said, Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. But for twenty-one days the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. While he was speaking to me, I looked down at the ground, unable to say a word. Then the one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing in front of me, I am terrified by the vision I have seen, my Lord, and I am very weak. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. Then the one who looked like a man touched me again, and I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are deeply loved by God. Be at peace, take heart, and be strong. As he spoke these words, I suddenly felt stronger and said to him, Now you may speak, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. He replied, Do you know why I have come? Soon I must return to fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, and then against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece. But before I do that, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. 
There is no one to help me against these spirit princes except Michael, your spirit prince. I have been standing beside Michael as his support and defense since the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede. This is the Bible lie with Soapy Dollar. Daniel 11. Now then, I will reveal the truth to you. Three more Persian kings will reign, to be succeeded by a fourth, far richer than the others. Using his wealth for political advantage, he will stir up everyone to war against the kingdom of Greece. Then a mighty king will rise to power who will rule a vast kingdom and accomplish everything he sets out to do. But at the height of his power, his kingdom will be broken apart and divided into four parts. It will not be ruled by the king's descendants, nor will the kingdom hold the authority it once had, for his kingdom will be uprooted and given to others. The king of the south will increase in power, but one of this king's own officials will become more powerful than he, and will rule his kingdom with great strength. Some years later an alliance will be formed between the king of the north and the king of the south. The daughter of the king of the south will be given in marriage to the king of the north to secure the alliance, but she will lose her influence over him, and so will her father. She will be given up along with her supporters. But when one of her relatives becomes king of the south, he will raise an army and enter the fortress of the king of the north and defeat him. When he returns to Egypt, he will carry back their idols with him, along with priceless gold and silver dishes. For some years afterward he will leave the king of the north alone. Later the king of the north will invade the realm of the king of the south, but will soon return to his own land. However, the sons of the king of the north will assemble a mighty army that will advance like a flood and carry the battle as far as the enemy's fortress. Then the king of the south, in great anger, will rally against the vast forces assembled by the king of the north and will defeat them. After the enemy army is swept away, the king of the south will be filled with pride and will have many thousands of his enemies killed. But his success will be short-lived. A few years later, the king of the north will return with a fully equipped army far greater than the one he lost. At that time there will be a general uprising against the king of the south. Lawless ones among your own people will join them in order to fulfill the vision, but they will not succeed. Then the king of the north will come and lay siege to a fortified city and capture it. The best troops of the south will not be able to stand in the face of the onslaught. The king of the north will march onward unopposed. None will be able to stop him. He will pause in the glorious land of Israel, intent on destroying it. He will make plans to come with the might of his entire kingdom, and will form an alliance with the king of the south. He will give him a daughter in marriage in order to overthrow the kingdom from within. But his plan will fail. After this, he will turn his attention to the coastal cities and conquer many. But a commander from another land will put an end to his insolence and will cause him to retreat in shame. He will take refuge in his own fortresses, but will stumble and fall, and he will be seen no more. This is the Bible lie with Soapy Dollar. His successor will be remembered as the king who sent a tax collector to maintain the royal splendor. But after a very brief reign he will die, though neither in battle nor open conflict. The next to come to power will be a despicable man, who is not directly in line for royal succession. But he will slip in when least expected, and take over the kingdom by flattery and intrigue. Before him great armies will be swept away, including a covenant prince. 
By making deceitful promises, he will make various alliances. With a mere handful of followers, he will become strong. Without warning, he will enter the richest areas of land and do something that none of his predecessors ever did. Distribute among his followers the plunder and wealth of the rich. He will plot the overthrow of strongholds, but this will last for only a short while. Then he will stir up his courage and raise a great army against the king of the south. The king of the south will go to battle with a mighty army, but to no avail, for plots against him will succeed. Those of his own household will bring his downfall. His army will be swept away, and many will be killed. Seeking nothing but each other's harm, these kings will plot against each other at the conference table, attempting to deceive each other. But it will make no difference, for an end will still come at the appointed time. The king of the north will then return home with great riches. On the way, he will set himself against the people of the Holy Covenant, doing much damage before continuing his journey. Then, at the appointed time, he will once again invade the south, but this time the result will be different. For warships from the western coastlands will scare him off, and he will withdraw and return home. But he will vent his anger against the people of the Holy Covenant, and reward those who forsake the covenant. His army will take over the temple fortress, polluting the sanctuary, putting a stop to the daily sacrifices, and setting up the sacrilegious object that causes desecration. He will flatter those who have violated the covenant and win them over to his side. But the people who know their God will be strong and will resist him. Those who are wise will give instruction to many. But for a time many of these teachers will die by fire and sword, and they will be jailed and robbed. While all these persecutions are going on, a little help will arrive though many who join them will not be sincere, and some who are wise will fall victim to persecution. In this way they will be refined and cleansed and made pure until the time of the end, for the appointed time is still to come. The king will do as he pleases, exalting himself and claiming to be greater than every god there is, even blaspheming the god of gods. He will succeed until the time of wrath is completed. For what has been determined will surely take place. He will have no regard for the gods of his ancestors, or for the god beloved of women, or for any other god, for he will boast that he is greater than them all. Instead of these, he will worship the god of fortresses, a god his ancestors never knew, and lavish on him gold, silver, precious stones, and costly gifts. Claiming this foreign god's help, he will attack the strongest fortresses. He will honor those who submit to him, appointing them to positions of authority and dividing the land among them as their reward. Then, at the time of the end, the king of the south will attack him, and the king of the north will storm out against him with chariots, cavalry, and a vast navy. He will invade various lands and sweep through them like a flood. He will enter the glorious land of Israel, and many nations will fall, but Moab, Edom, and the best part of Ammon will escape. He will conquer many countries, and Egypt will not escape. He will gain control over the gold, silver, and treasures of Egypt, and the Libyans and Ethiopians will be his servants. But then news from the east and the north will alarm him, and he will set out in great anger to destroy many as he goes. He will halt between the glorious holy mountain and the sea, and will pitch his royal tents there. But while he is there, his time will suddenly run out, and there will be no one to help him. This is the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Daniel 12.
At that time, Michael the archangel, who stands guard over your nation, will arise. Then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who turn many to righteousness will shine like stars forever. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end. Many will rush here and there, and knowledge will increase. Then I, Daniel, looked and saw two others standing on opposite banks of the river. One of them asked the man dressed in linen who was now standing above the river, How long will it be until these shocking events happen? The man dressed in linen who was standing above the river raised both his hands toward heaven and took this solemn oath by the one who lives forever. It will go on for a time, times, and half a time. When the shattering of the holy people has finally come to an end, all these things will have happened. I heard what he said, but I did not understand what he meant. So I asked, How will all this finally end, my Lord? But he said, Go now, Daniel, for what I have said is for the time of the end. Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined by these trials. But the wicked will continue in their wickedness, and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. From the time the daily sacrifice is taken away, and the sacrilegious object that causes desecration is set up to be worshipped, there will be 1,290 days. And blessed are those who wait and remain until the end of 1,335 days. As for you, go your way until the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. End of reading, Daniel 10, 1 through 12, 13. If we can take these passages from the book of Daniel and understand them through the grid now of history, it is astounding what God has done, opening up the future to Daniel. To those who do not accept the record of the Bible and the witness of the Bible, the book of Daniel is a tremendous problem. Daniel speaks well into the future, all the way up to the time of the Roman Empire, many, many centuries later with the feet of clay and iron and the ten toes, all of the interpretation that Daniel gave us as we read those chapters. Not only did Daniel give us the big picture, but now here he talks about, in these particular chapters, the kings of the north and the south. Before we even started reading this tonight, in chapter 10, Cyrus has already come to the throne of the Medo-Persian Empire, and he has allowed Jews to return to Jerusalem. But, of course, Daniel has stayed in Babylon. Why didn't Daniel return to Jerusalem? Well, we don't know. We're not told. He may have been too old to make the 900 to 1,000-mile journey. This was 536 B.C. Daniel was taken into exile in 605. So he is well into his 80s now. Could have been that his government duties would not prevent him to go back to Israel. Or God himself may have instructed him to stay to complete the work that he was called to do there in Babylon. This vision comes in 536, and Daniel is describing the conflict that is to come. 
Babylon was defeated by the Medo-Persians. The Medo-Persian Empire then was destroyed by Greece under Alexander the Great, who conquered almost all of the Mediterranean and the Middle Eastern lands. After Alexander's death, remember he died young, only 33 years of age, the Greek Empire then was divided into four parts. It would be too much to go into the different parts of those, but essentially the two great powers were northern and southern powers. The Ptolemies gained control of the southern section of Palestine. The Ptolemies came out of the dynasty of Ptolemy I, second, and third, the dynasties of Egypt. And the Seleucids took the northern part. So there was basically an age-old conflict between the power of Egypt in the south and the power of Assyria in the north. The passages that we read about in chapter 11 tonight, they describe the persecution of Israel as the Ptolemies and the Seleucids battle to see who will control Palestine. Israel is stuck right in the middle of their conflict. About 250 B.C., Ptolemy II of Egypt gave his daughter Bernice to, in marriage to Antiochus II of Syria to finalize a peace treaty between their two lands. But Bernice was murdered in Antioch by Antiochus II's former wife, Laodice. Bernice's brother, Ptolemy III, ascended to the Egyptian throne and then declared war against the Seleucids. And that's spoken of. In the very passage that we're reading, Daniel sees ahead of time this conflict, this war between these dynasties. Later on, his prophecies extend out all the way to the time of the people of Israel, symbolic of the people of God today. Today, we are Israel. We are spiritual Israel. And some of Daniel's prophecies extend into the future then when we get into chapter 12, the time of the end. And Michael the archangel who stands guard over your nation will arise. Daniel's prophecies begin to extend out time, times, and half a time. Could we be in those end times today that Daniel is even speaking about? We don't know. I'm happy to look at the scriptures and try to figure as best I can what God is saying. But the truth is, we don't know. But no matter what view you take of the end times, the practical admonition for us is be prepared, be ready, be walking with God, be trusting in God, be working for the kingdom of God. No matter how you interpret the end times, whether we're in them now or whether there's another thousand years to go, we are to be ready at any moment to go be with our Lord, either through death or through his return to take up his kingdom. However you interpret the end times, the message is be ready. Don't you love this opening passage when the messenger comforts Daniel by saying, God loves you, Daniel. You are precious to God. Don't be afraid. Daniel is nervous about this. He's to the point of fainting. He loses his voice. But twice in the conversation, the messenger touches him. The messenger reassures him, and then he restores his voice, and twice he says, Daniel, you are very precious to God. When you're discouraged, when you're down, when you're weak, when you're afraid, God loves you. We say that is a cliche nowadays. God loves you, smile, but it is a tremendous, life-changing truth. If you're able to receive it, God loves you. There were a lot of prophecies in these final chapters of the book of Daniel. And yet the last prophecy was a very personal one. The others had to do with nations and people groups and empires that would rise and fall. But then in the last verse of the book of Daniel, it says, As for you, Daniel, go your way until the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. The promise of eternal life, the promise of resurrection, a promise that is given to us as well as God's people. After this life, there is another the spiritual realm where we will either live with God forever or live separated from Him as a result of our sin and our selfishness. Which will be your fate? Which will be your destiny? 
I want to encourage you by faith to receive the salvation that the God of Daniel offers to all of us. See you next time. Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndall House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today and in one year's time we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.